Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning from 9 to 9 30 we thank you to our loyal listeners for getting up tuning the dial or if you're listening to us via podcast at our website at coastalwm.com i'm one of your hosts Eric Cox here with the lovely and talented. I need more adjectives than and that. And early. Early. This is <laughs> early Leslie, riser. Leslie Haywood, and I want to thank you so much for sharing your Saturday morning with us. And make sure and continue Beyond Saturday mornings and see us on our Facebook page, Beyond the Business, or talk to us on Twitter at BTBCHS. Well, Leslie, here we are in, uh, gosh, man, middle mm. of November. Thanksgiving's a few weeks away. Oh, yes. Isn't this crazy? Yes, that is. It's nuts. I know. My daughter already has up her, she has a mini Christmas tree. It's been up since Halloween it's in nuts. her room. The, the year is flying by and the weather has turned. Yes. chilly weather finally. Finally, right? Everybody's yes. excited about that. Yes. We had our big client event last night. Oh, And oyster gosh. roast and that went wonderful. What good weather it was for an oyster roast. It so. was, well, that, that's why I feel the way I feel. That's a, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so glad, you're lucky i'm here we're glad you're here and uh, we're glad as well that uh, we have a guest that made it here this morning Yay! too so we'll be excited to talk about that in a minute but mm-hmm. of course before we do let's talk about uh, last week we had uh, alan Shaw, the dean of the school of business over at the college of charleston on the last couple of weeks and uh, certainly uh alan uh as always does a great job of talking about not just the school but gave us a great um kind of insight to his history and upbringing what did you take away from that well one thing that was very evident throughout alan's time with us and uh was how much emphasis he put on the value of people you surround yourself with and he was speaking from a leadership standpoint as the dean of business and his relationship with the charleston business community Uh, but it's the same sentiment that's reinforced by entrepreneurs that we have in here all the time the people that you have working for you and with you make you as awesome or as awful as you are so it's so important and i think that he just really has fostered some amazing relationships in the community well and i must admit in the spirit of that leslie the reason this show is doing so well for the last five years Mm -hmm. is because of people like you that are around the show make it so (laughs) wonderful so um (laughs) just had to point that out you know sure what do you want and by the way, speaking of Allen and the School of Business at the College yeah. of Charleston, we're really excited to announce they are going to be taking over as title sponsors of our show. I know, that's awesome. And are going to be very involved in the show for 2020, our sixth year of Beyond the Business here on 94.3 WSC, which is hard to believe. I know. Wow, we that's awesome. We are and rolling. And yes. I'm excited about the lineup next year. We've got a lot of good things in the works, so stay tuned for that. Awesome. But before we do. Yeah, who do we have today? We have another guest, Mr. David Bell who's executive vice president of Canon Financial out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia, Athens, Atlanta, I guess, area. Uh, first of all, David, thanks for being here this morning. It's going to be a rough Saturday morning, as you can tell. <laughs> it's a real rough Saturday morning for all of us. Yes, that, it's that, good to be that, here. That, that client event last night will get you, right? So, I know. Well, we're glad you are here. Um, 
you know, a rare treat. We have an out-of-towner with us today, and uh, David uh, actually had the privilege of getting to go out on the waters of Charleston yesterday and do a little fishing, caught your first sheep's head here in town and a, a little spot tail, and so uh, how's Charleston treating you so far? It's treating me really well. Had no earthly idea what I was doing out there on the boat um, <laughs> until the rod started dipping into the water very rapidly um, and caught a bunch of fish, so had fun. <laughs> it was awesome. nice and great host there. Well, we're looking forward to having your story today, and uh, certainly we're going to talk a lot about uh, business and what you do in your business today and uh, in the spirit of our show of entrepreneurship and leadership. Yes, but yeah. before we go further, because of course we're going to get back to those early days and those early influences, but for those people that do not know, can you just give us maybe a little 30-second elevator pitch about what Cannon Financial Institute is? Yeah, Cannon Financial Institute, been in business now about uh, 60 years, give or take a couple of months. We Our business motto is working and partnering with financial services individuals and firms to help them run their practices more efficiently and more effectively. So whatever that means, whether it's a Charles Schwab, whether it's a Wells Fargo, or a whether it's a Vanguard, management. or a Coastal, Coastal Wealth, Wealth Management, management whomever it is, our, <laughs> our role in the industry is not actually working with the end-user client with planning and all that. It's working with the firms and helping their advisors do what it is that they are doing with their clients they serve in the local market. So that's really been our business model for six decades now. Um, I travel about 250, 300 days a year, partnering with firms all around the world doing that. Perfect. Well, before we get into more detail about your current role, um, which is going to be pretty interesting because my understanding is you have, there's six of you as partners in the firm. So we get to talk a lot about partnerships and how those relationships go down but uh we'd love to start kind of back at the beginning so if you don't mind share with our listeners david a little bit about your upbringing where were you born and what was early family life like yeah uh, born and raised in athens georgia actually i was born in atlanta and before i was about a year old my father got transferred from SunTrust banks over to athens georgia so you listeners it's maybe 60 65 miles from downtown atlanta over to athens georgia he was a trust officer so growing up as a kid, I never really knew what my father did, except he had a key-coded pad to get into his office because trust officers have locked doors. So I would go visit my dad and kind of wonder what my dad did. He would drink coffee out of styrofoam cups and <laughs> read his client list every morning. So then when I got in high school, I started figuring out what my father did. Um, so being born and raised in really Athens, when I started playing high school football, um, I started getting more and more involved into what it is that my father was doing. So I became real interested in finances. Now, you're going too fast. Yeah, Hold on. Just like normal, right? There I know. Go. Everyone wants to gloss Slow over. Down. I know. Everyone wants Slow to gloss down. over some of those early, early years. Let's Before we before we go on to that. Leslie wants the embarrassing part. I know. I know. <laughs> we like really getting to know like what family life was like. Do you have, did you have siblings? Um, were you the, the bully or the bully? or what like what really was life like growing up what did I, your mom I was do the, uh, i was the hugger and the cuddler Aww. imagine that yeah i had my sister was two years older than me she's okay. a school teacher now but she's two years older than me um and susan and i were the only two kids father banker had a stay-at-home mom okay my mom had multiple sclerosis and crohn's disease mm-hmm. so as we'll okay. talk through that yep. i became essentially a nurturer if mm-hmm. you will so um i learned how to cook at a very early age I learned how to do laundry when I was probably in middle school um, and basically cook, clean, and take care because my mother was wheelchair bound. 
And so it taught me a lot of life's lessons that to this day um, I still explore. So uh, growing up as a kid, um, I kind of became the house, I would say, um, owner, if you will. Dad's at work. I was at home helping mom. Uh, Mom couldn't drive. So I would drive mom to look at Christmas lights during the holiday season. We'd go to the grocery store every week. Uh, So it taught me a lot of things to this day that I'm thankful that I learned at a very early age. And so for you as a youngster, talk a minute about what that was like, right? Um, Maybe you didn't get the chance to do everything that other kids your age was doing in terms of sports or activities because you had to tend to some things and be more adult-like at that age. It was very difficult. Mom's parents lived in Marietta, Georgia, which was about 75 miles away. So as you could imagine, a parent having a child that was confined to a wheelchair, they felt like they needed to be there. And since they weren't there, here I was as a little kid being able to take care of my mom. And so it became really a great situation, which I look back on it and thank a lot of, you know, a lot of individuals that have come across my life to help me learn how to do that. So, you know, fast forward when I had a family, now all of a sudden you know how to do a lot of things. But yes, Eric, you're correct, sir. Um, Given up on a lot of after-school activities, um, I chose to start playing football, and it was really the only thing I could commit to because of the time, because I wasn't there to take care of my mom. So um, it was difficult, and Dad was at work, so I learned how to ride my bicycle to two-a-day football practices back in middle school because dad's at work mom couldn't drive my sister's off doing sisterly kind of things so i had to ride my bike to two a day football practices if i truly wanted to play so it taught a lot of discipline a lot of commitment a lot of personal accountabilities and taught things that you probably wouldn't get for the next Mm -hmm. 20 or 30 years if ever in life as a kid so so now going into high school, so you did view your dad as a role model as far as a career path. So your your mom's situation gave you that nurturer hugger part, but then you did see that banker side of your dad, and that's kind of where you, you wanted to go. You know, and and really the mentality is, I saw my dad getting up every single morning at five o'clock, going to work by six thirty or seven o'clock. Very disciplined ex-military he flew uh, helicopter pilots back in the army uh served in in korea didn't go to vietnam but was in korea so i learned this disciplined background dad would come home every day at five thirty or six o'clock work hard and then all of a sudden i started looking around going you know what there's some characteristics that i learned really well from my father the discipline the accountability the 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 military mindset be there when you say you're going to be there have an agenda and kind of be regimented, if you will. And then I learned from mom a lot of things that to this day, both of them have kind of brought together and, and built, you know, David C. Bell sitting here today. So so talk a minute about your college years. Um, again, you had this mentality, I think, that finance was going to be your path. Uh, talk, talk about how you sort of went on to explore that in the early stages of it. Yeah, it, it was rather difficult when I started getting toward the end of high school. Um, I had 42 ultimate athletic scholarships Uh offered to me all around the country and i didn't want to go far from mom and dad um the university of georgia was an option they had a guy by the name of kevin butler there that a lot of you listeners probably remember i kicked field goals and extra points and so i chose to go to georgia tech probably because they had two guys there the head coach was bill curry if some of you remember the name of bill curry that played for the original packers under uh vince lombardi played for Don Shula, 
And then they had a guy that used to be the athletic director at the University of North Carolina um, that came down there that essentially between those two guys, um, I came to Georgia Tech for them. And so when I went to Georgia Tech, I knew that they didn't have the financial backing or the acumen, if you will. So it was going to be a weak offering, if best, to go to their business school because it's more of an engineering school. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I wanted to be around Homer Rice, that was the athletic director that had come from Chapel Hill, and Bill Curry. Um, And to this day, Bill Curry's uh, essentially a second father to me. So I wanted to go to school close. Uh, Mom was able to come to see one game a year. They would host her and treat her like royalty when she could get over there. Um, and so I chose Georgia Tech, even though I was giving up a little bit on the financial side uh, of the um, not the financial curriculum, but really the degree, if you will. So my degree was management science, which is just a general business degree that most colleges and universities would have. Now, at that time, what was your ultimate goal at, in college, what was your dream job at the time? Um, what did you think it was? Dream it job never, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it never the dream job out. at the time was to do something with passion and enthusiasm. Um, I, I know that at my point in time, 18, 19 years old, that wasn't really engineering, and that's what Georgia Tech had to offer. So I knew that I was going to have to get into a business angle and use the discipline and use the creativity that I'd learned through the first 18 or 19 years of life uh, to do something that I was passionate about. I've always had a saying that unless you're passionate about doing what it is that you're doing, go find something else to do. Um, So that's really what my angle was, is to finish school. I enjoyed playing football, had four and a half years of playing football there. Didn't really want to play professional football because I wasn't enthusiastic or passionate about that. Um, And so then immediately I went and got into the planning business and started my career and have been doing the same thing for the last 32 years oh my gosh so, wow same no thing. career change <laughs> isn't it something like that doesn't happen any i longer, know right? i yeah. know wow and by the way in case you're wondering whose story that is that you're listening to it's that of mr david bell who's executive vice president for canon financial institute over in georgia who happens to be in town here sharing his story with us and so david uh, talk about your first uh, kind of opportunity coming out of college how that started and what uh, you know it felt like being new to the world or the yeah, business world. I, I got started um probably about two months after i got out of georgia tech in 1987 um as a special agent that was the title on my business card <laughs> Ooh, special, for North, agent. Uh, special agent i felt like i was a 007 for northwestern mutual life and really out of milwaukee wisconsin uh learned the planning business then and as most of you know and you listeners out there they're big into the life insurance arena and permanent life insurance and the angle that i had was not only was that important to clients but there were a lot of other things that were important to clients as well in the financial services world so uh back when i was just you know six months out of college being a special agent i started learning the the ropes if you will of the live financial services world to to the clients that we serve today. Um, and slowly but surely over the next couple of years, I got pretty good at trying to understand what clients truly need in their life. And it might be a Northwestern Mutual offering. It might be something else. But what I really gained a lot of confidence in is a conversation that today we call discovery, getting to know somebody better than anybody else and not really leading with products and not really re- leading with end solutions. There's so many different 
advisors and firms that lead with solutions versus doing a better job of getting to know somebody in their family and their business and their kids and their grandchildren. So I learned that at a pretty early early age back at Northwestern in my first couple of years. Now, what was something maybe that you, uh, maybe a misconception that you had when you were, you got your diploma and you're going to go out in the workaday world and be, you know, in the financial industry. What was something in those early years that maybe was a misconception that you had and that changed after a few years of having experience yeah, in a, that industry a, a misconception was it was going to be easier than it truly is uh-huh. uh, to do what it is that ultimately you want to do i don't mind and nobody should mind working hard as long as they know what the ultimate goal is mm-hmm. but a little bit of me in college said wow this is going to be easy mm-hmm. um you know georgia tech from an academic standpoint is a pretty difficult school I didn't think it was too difficult. I kind of rolled through that pretty easily. I rolled through college football pretty easily. And I'm going, wow, this is kind of kind of easy. Life is easy. Life is good with a T-shirt. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, after about a year or so, hey, this isn't as easy as it's going to be cut out to be. And it's the discipline that I had to fall back on to learn the career path that I wanted, to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and how to get there. And I had a saying in the back of my locker, um, no, you know, rain, sleet, flood, or mud, get up and do what it is that you do. Uh, if you have a headache, you don't feel very good. Uh, from my father, from my mother, she never complained. My dad would get up, military, go to work every single day, regimented. And then I had to start backing up a little bit going, okay, if this is the goal, what are the baby steps that I need to take to ultimately get to that goal. It's not going to work in two days. It might take a year to get there. I'm committed to getting there. What are the steps that I need to take to get there and then to solidify that process? So, oh, the good old how you eat an elephant, right? right? One bite at a time. Exactly, so, exactly right. So when you look back at this point in your life, David, where you are a couple of years out of college, you're in the business, you're learning a lot of things, um, when you sort of look back at your trek up to that point, what would you say would be one of the major moments in your life that sort of shaped and formed? Maybe it was a learning moment even that you had along the way. Um, probably two, Eric. One, uh, two weeks before the signing date of high school seniors to sign full scholarships, uh, my father hydroplaned in his Toyota Cressida, went off a bridge, the car flipped, and he landed right on the hood of the car. Um, he almost died. Fortunately, knock on wood, he didn't. Um, but then I really had to take over the house here. I'm, here I am a high school senior, uh, mom's incapacitated and dad's on in ICU on life support. Um, it really woke me up. My sister's two years older than me. She's, you know, what a sophomore in college. And so it really forced me to grow up really quickly. And again, miss a lot of those high school senior things. Um, and then the second was my sophomore year in college when um, North Carolina had called a timeout in Keenan Stadium and there were four seconds to go in the game. I seen you, huh? We were down 21 to 20 and I had to kick a 62 yard field goal. <gasps> um, I could recall every single word that Bill Curry said to me in three minutes standing on the sideline and none of it had to do with college football. Oh, and uh, so those two experiences. Man, you can't just, leave his hanging. I know. You can't leave his hanging like that. Essentially, he put his arm around me. <laughs> okay. To paraphrase the three minutes, um, this is an experience. Cherish it for your lifetime. Keenan Stadium is a beautiful place. 
enjoy the moment that you're in it will never be back here again and did you kick the field goal um i actually missed it okay <laughs> right, lost, you know we, i wasn't gonna we, let you get we, away we, with we, not uh, telling us it, it, some what? of you listeners if you know about the goal post when i hit <sighs> it and i'd kick so many different balls over my career um i knew as soon as it got to its apex it was going to be a little bit short it hit the padding that holds up the goal uh-huh. post so from maybe 57 or 58 it was right down the center but from 62 it was short oh, um and as i was walking off the field bill curry again approached me and said that will make you a better person about four weeks later i kicked a 55 yarder in athens in sanford stadium against the university of georgia that to this day is still a school record and i walked off the field in athens and bill curry said i told you so wow, wow. Cool so, oh my god just those two stories eric i mean to answer your question those two stories made me grow up and made me appreciate life and the hard work it takes to get there i mean this people pretty you cool. know stories you yeah. don't it's pretty this cool this is amazing so i know after a few years uh being in that northwestern mutual model you figured out hey i gotta make some transitions here and expand my wings a little bit and talk about that next phase um about three years after i joined northwestern mutual ted riley huber that was our original founder and ceo of canon financial approached me to to teach a session for old fleet bank up in boston and i didn't really know what i was doing i enjoyed being on stage with college football and being in front of a hundred thousand people every saturday um so here i am up in boston teaching a cfp review course never done it before uh but yet with confidence and with projection and with enthusiasm and passion i went in there for three days just doing what it is that i've been doing for individual clients at northwestern and really found a new passion and it was then that my canon financial career essentially started maybe 1989 1990 if you will Um, So now that I've been with Canon for essentially three decades full time, Mm -hmm. that's when it started. And what started was not only broadcasting out what it is that I knew how to do individually for a client, but now taking that Eric to a larger forum and being able to work with advisors that are all over the world, helping them do what it was that I knew how to do for clients in their individual markets. And really, I found a passion and a driving for being able to get on an airplane, go to Boston, go to St. Louis, go to Los Angeles, California, and help advisors spread the word, if you will, to how they should act and react to their individual clients and families. So that's where that Eric passion started growing is early 90, 1989, give or take a few months, um, when I first got into that setting, if you will, click, light clicked. Um, and I've been doing it ever since. Now, during that big transition, was there anyone, uh, talk about a little bit about your personal life. What was going on? Did you have anybody to lean on? Um, family, kids, what about your life um, yeah. outside of business? Well, and, and mom, she, she passed about 26 years ago. My okay. dad was still there. My sister was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was really our shareholders at Canon and, you know, the individuals that we were in business with, because you're kind of on an island. De plane, boss, de plane. You're on an island by yourself. Because I might be in Los Angeles, our other owners, one might be in Boston, one might be in Montreal. We're all over the world, and we can't really run our company. Our company is based in Athens, Georgia. 
So we'd lean on each other. Mm -hmm. And I'd pick up the phone and call Fran Damaris or Dwayne Lee or Larry Divers. Hey, where are you? What are you doing? And who are you doing it with? And that's really our motto every single day to keep each other going Mm -hmm. because we might be stuck in a hotel in Los Angeles, California, and no family's out there. Your kids aren't out there. And next thing you know, you're, you're on an island. And the four walls of the hotel kind of start compressing. And unless you're real careful, um, you're going you're gonna to not like what it is that you're doing. So it's really in our business model, we come to our clients. Our clients don't come to us. So I spend a lot of time on airplanes and hotels eating grilled cheese sandwiches out of a food truck in Portland, Oregon, which is awesome if you're in Portland, Oregon. Um, but that's who we, we started leaning on each other because it becomes a really difficult life uh, to be on the road, to have a family unit. You know, my kids now are 24 and 18. And so then you start leaning on the kids. And way back then, 30 years ago, they didn't have FaceTime and they didn't have WhatsApp and they didn't have all this stuff. And so you're calling on a rotary telephone you know, way back when the internet was barely even here. So uh, today it's real easy to keep in touch with them. Uh, but back then it was very difficult. So it you, we leaned on our other partners at Canon to kind of motivate you to go get on that next airplane, to go do what it is that you do. Um, because when we stand up in front of 100 people, I can't have a bad day. Just like going back to Georgia Tech in that 62-yard field goal, you can't have a bad day uh, because if I have a bad day, i got got 100 people in front of me that are going to have a bad day. And you have to understand what it is that you're doing. You have to be very agenda-oriented and disciplined in that so the individuals that you're talking to know where you've been, they know where you are now, and they know where you're going. And so kind of organizing that, you're almost like my sister, two years older than me, a school teacher. To a whole bunch of strangers, I got three days to visit with you. Here's where we're going to start, and here's my goal when we finish. And so it becomes very difficult. And then two days later, you're with a whole nother group. And it's like, ooh, you don't get the student for nine months like a typical school teacher. So um, quite frankly, it's, it's really hard to do that without leaning on our colleagues at Canon to help you you know finish the drill if you will speaking of where we're going unfortunately we're out of time so we're going to a break and uh we'll be back on next Next saturday Saturday. uh, david thank you for sharing your story goes by fast though doesn't it your life in 26 minutes really fast yes uh, (laughs) again david bell executive vice president at canon uh, financial institute out of athens georgia thank you for being here look forward to hearing the second half of your story next saturday morning here on 94.3 wsc and until next saturday low country Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC.